internet, my hardship might even be greater than yours. My name is Matthew Kroll. And respond to the text. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Drive My Car. Drive, what? Drive, drive. Drive my car. car. Drive my car. Drive my car. Which. What? Which we did. What? We well, you did. I did. I drove. I drove a car, and we went to a screening, a we, physical screening. Hey, everyone! Wow, do you know? Do you know? Shahir smells exactly like he did before the pandemic. <laughs> You'd think it'd be worse. It's not. Hey, it's I'm a the lot same. hairier since before the pandemic, right? Which is why I thought worse. Oh, but right. No. You thought I'd be like sweaty, hairy. No, my yeah. wife. My wife keeps us really well stocked in moisturizers, conditioners, ointments, oils, and I am juiced up on all that shit. Shahir, this was you. You texted me and you asked if I wanted to go to uh, to the theater, uh, and this was the first time you and I have seen a movie since all the way back in episode I don't even know the fuck first cow. <laughs> yeah, it was wait, but we didn't see that together either. We did see that together. Did we see first cow together? We saw first cow together. My memory of seeing first cow was that I'm I pretty saw sure it. we did. No, I I feel like. Look, I, I could be. Oh, was that just my last one in the theater? I think I that's your last one in the theater you. because my memory was of going to see. I, I I remember the day, which was that I had to ride a bike all around the city, and I got to First Cow and I was breathing heavily. Which and the pandemic had started, and so we were kind of concerned about it. So I remember being in the theater and like breathing lightly. It was my, uh, this was before well, mask was a thing. I'll say this. I have a lovely memory I've cooked up in my brain of you and I seeing First Cow together before the pandemic f- hit full swing. We definitely uh, saw a movie together. I'm uh, sure we did, but I'm going to stick with my – yeah, Listen, I, reality is what we make it. We have to surf it to its maximum potential. Yeah. I'm just going to keep it in my head that you and I saw First Cow together, and then this movie was the first movie since then that we did. Jesus Christ. Do you know how many episodes back First Cow is as well? Yeah. Like, I'm looking yeah. – I'm going back down the list. Yeah. Ooh, we are – That's why I didn't know the at, number. We're episode 363, I think, Three. right now, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so our first cow episode was Jesus. It was. <laughs> hang on, I'm still scrolling back, baby. Keep scroll. I'm Keep over scroll. 100 episodes back now. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, wait, and I'm sure this is really great uh, for listeners, by the way. No, I think it, it was, is. The suspense is killing them. <laughs> episode 261 was definitely the first. It was the last movie. It was March 2020 that we saw in a theater. Now, I, if we saw that together, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't think we actually did, but I'm going to keep the memory because I like yeah, it. Yeah, go for it. But that was episode 200 and... Oh, no, no, I saw it past Yeah, 60-something. Uh, 261. Yeah, so... It's been 105 episodes. episodes. Yeah. No, but yeah. No, 100 and, uh, 104, uh, 102 episodes. That's what I said. Yeah, sorry. My math is uh, terrible. We're doing great tonight. Uh, we're just too excited, everybody, <laughs> uh, because we haven't gotten to do that in a very long time. Uh, and Shahir was gracious enough to drive us to Kew Gardens, um, uh, the cinema out there, which was a lovely experience. I felt bad, however, because it was a three-hour-long movie, and we were there uh, the seven thirty show, and we were definitely the last person. Like the owner was there, like waiting to turn off the lights for, <laughs> for drive my car to end. To be fair, uh, I because I I actually went to that movie theater twice this week. Uh, I went to a licorice pizza on Sunday, uh, well the Super Bowl night, by the way. So while everyone was watching the Super Bowl, I drove out to Kew Garden Cinema in the middle of the snow and decided to watch Licorice Pizza by myself, which I loved. Uh, yeah. I think we should do that movie, by the way. Um, That's on uh, brand. But I I thought I might have lost 
lost my AirPods at the um, at the theater, so I called oh. the owner. And you know, like it, it's one of those theaters where you actually get to speak to a person when you call. And it was the it, I, I believe it was the woman who was there waiting for us to leave. And you right. know, uh, when I asked her, you know, to go look for my AirPods, she went and like, you know, did a full search and then called me back and said, yeah. no, I couldn't find them. But she, it was just look, I um, I, I'm very sad that we were the only people in the theater, but I really liked going to that theater. I really felt yeah. good about going to that theater. Oh, know? 100%. I bought I bought $6 nachos that yeah. I, I don't normally do, but I was like, let's support this local business. Yeah. Like, and I, I, <laughs> like, I, I, It was nice. And so if you do live in New York, Queens, uh, do look out uh, for Kew Garden Cinema in Kew Gardens, which is an area I don't frequent and I don't actually know how to get to other than driving a car. So it's probably not accessible, as easily accessible by uh, uh, public transportation. I'm sh- maybe I, it is. I, I- I will say I really liked the sort of decor of it. You could tell like the the folks running the place actually really give a shit and love movies. Yeah. Like it's it I don't know. I, I always like it when that feels legitimate and real. Um and it definitely did there. And so. uh, uh they're actually going to be playing the worst person in the world uh starting next week. So I might go for another trip uh wow. to, uh, out there. So th- this might become my local local haunt. Um but yes, we drove back and actually I, there was a part of me that goes in the spirit of the movie, I should have played the podcast on the way back like an old episode and like except like took out one of the voices and like had to like fill it in uh as we were driving just to really piss you off uh i thought that yeah be that would have been <laughs> annoying thank you for not doing that um i do want to shout out we got an, uh, a really lovely email this week from a uh new first time listener from kellen who writes in, hey guys, I'm a relatively new listener, but already a big fan. I subscribed around Christmas time and have already listened to about 60 episodes, getting in about one a day. Whoa. I started with some of my favorite movies from the past few years past few years, and then went back and have been doing them in order from Mad Max on and each week's new episode. Wow. Um, it's been cool to see how the show has evolved from seven-ish years ago. It's always nice when I agree with both of you on a film, but more fun when I agree with one of you over the other, i.e., mm with Matt on Jurassic World, and with Shahir on Spotlight. Okay. Although it comes up less now, I've developed a theory about your opposite approaches to films. Besides, Science! <laughs> besides Matt's, uh, besides Shahir's Matt, Matt likes bad movies and Matt's Shahir hates fun. I don't think I've ever said Matt likes bad movies. Have I? Have I said that? Um, No, but that's been the general tone. That's the general tone, but you've diff- you've given me a mug that says Shahir hates fun, which I think is the difference. Yeah. Here. yeah. Well, I mean, what I, I, want it to, I want it to be known. <laughs> uh, I think it's, uh, and this is continuing on from Kellen here, I think it's closer to Shahir thinks life is too short to watch less than great movies. And Matt thinks life is too short to not watch fun movies, even if they're just fine. Even if I didn't see the movie or didn't have a strong feelings for one uh, for for the ones we did see, I know it's going to be a great conversation with you guys and your guests. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Kellen. That email really thank you made very our much. Um, we actually we we were in the theater waiting for the movie to start, and uh, there there was no one in the theater, so I actually read it aloud to Matt. Yep, <laughs> it was beautiful. He got down, he got in the front of the theater, <laughs> yeah. and he read it like it was a stage play. And uh, I said yes, uh, it was it was beautiful. <laughs> no, it, it, that, thank you so much. I, I'm what? surprised we didn't do more hijinks while we were in the in an empty theater by ourselves. Because it's because hijinks. Okay, so <laughs> hijinks feel novel when you do them, right? Like that's what they're supposed to be. But the novelty of just being in a theater again, uh, hanging out was was the novelty enough. I don't think hijinks were necessary. Yeah. Um, but but Kellen, thank you so much um, for the um, 
for the kind words. That was that definitely. I was having I was having a rough day yesterday, mm. and uh, going to the movie was great, and hearing from you was great. So thank you again. Uh, that kind of stuff keeps us going. Please write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Everybody else, if you'd like to uh, say kind words or just tell us that we're stupid. Um, <laughs> obviously, the kind words help us more in our daily activities yeah. but then if you say you know we, we, we'll but telling take, us we're stupid you know can only make us bitter as, <laughs> as a person who's on the internet i disagree <laughs> um but that's neither here nor there uh much appreciated so thank you very much uh and so this movie we we have got a series uh of movies to complete for the best picture nominees uh and this was uh, on our list I, I believe at this point i've seen six of them have you caught up how many have no. you seen at this point <laughs> no three maybe four <laughs> okay, three so we're gonna yeah. try and and matt suggested smartly that we will try to do a condensed episode uh leading up to the oscars at some point where we'll review we'll just spend 10 minutes on each of them but we this movie in particular drive my car has been generating so much awards buzz has won so yeah. many different awards Awards, yeah, that yeah, yeah. I felt it was important that we go see this in a movie theater. It is actually coming out on HBO Max uh, on March the 2nd, which uh, won't be by the time this episode is released, but hopefully this will be one of those episodes that you listen to, or, or you don't. if you don't listen to, you'll be able to go back and listen to once it's on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And we'll uh, be a little bit uh, more, I mean, not that we're terribly willy-nilly about it, but we'll be a little more uh, careful of spoilers in the first half, just to make sure that if you want to listen to up to that point and you haven't seen it, then you're good to go. There you go. Um, Matt, what... Have you driven a car? No. <laughs> Man, you know what? Yeah. I miss my car. I miss Sheila. I sold it to two very good friends of mine, uh, and uh, Sheila was a great car, a Nissan Sentra 2006, baby. Yeah. Um, Not a red Saab. Oh, no, 2012. Oh, look at you. Oof. Younger. The old, is it the younger model? No, it was a 2006. I remember. <laughs> no, never mind. Uh, and, no, it, it, it's funny. Like, you know, having a car is great for going to, like, cool movie theaters and stuff. And... And um, or anywhere really that like I I've been so spoiled by the subway and then the pandemic kind of took that away and and then it's just been all Ubers or uh you know I don't know it's just it's just nice to have the freedom although I will say parking is a bitch in Queens it is indeed uh, uh but we but we didn't have that experience and I wonder if the lead character from our film uh, today had that experience of uh, having to deal with parking in uh, Hiroshima. It doesn't seem like it's that <laughs> terrible of a time. It seems like it, he's got it pretty well, uh, you know, buttoned up. So tell us what Drive My Car is about. Sure. IMDB says that after his wife's unexpected death, Yosuke Kafuku, a renowned stage actor and director, receives an offer to direct a production of Uncle Vanya in Hiroshima. There, he begins to face the haunting mysteries his wife left behind. Mm. Now, this is, of course, an adaptation of a uh, Haruki Murakami short story, the last one of which we did was Burning uh, by Lee Chang Dong just a few years ago. Um, The only other Murakami novel that I've read is Norwegian Wood, uh, which was also adapted into a film by Tranan Huang. Um, and is an amazing, uh, ama- both an amazing, I, 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 I think there's a quality to Murakami, which is that there's an experiential quality to his writing, which is that it's very sensory. And sure. in particular with Norwegian Wood, I actually read that when I was traveling to Japan and, uh, I was reading it, uh, you know, Norwegian Wood kind of recounts stories of old Tokyo and what it was like back in the day. And I remember there was a point at which I was reading it and they were describing the station that we were pulling up to as I was as we were pulling up to it. Mm. Um, And so, you know, like I just had this sort of sensory memory memory of reading that book and his work. Um, Nice. 
had, uh, but Matt, I guess you know maybe there's an interesting thing because this is nominated for an Oscar, and I and I you know again going back to sensory memories because I think that's an important part of this movie. I recall when I was um, I think maybe ten years old or something, ten or eleven, something like that. Uh, my brother woke me up early one morning and said, "Hey." Dances with Wolves has won Best Picture at the Oscars. Oh, you told the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he'd seen it the night before. He'd watched the Oscars the night before. And he was like, do you want to go see it tonight? And so we, we took a trip to the movies to see the Oscar-winning Best Picture movie. And it was the first time that I kind of had this sense that movie, you know, like winning Best Picture meant that it wasn't just a movie. There was something important about this movie. And I wonder now that we are kind of entering... Um, the world, you know, like a filmmaker like uh, Rusuke Hamaguchi is not particularly well known in the sort of popular culture analysis. Like, again, he's got a, he, uh, a five hour movie uh, called Happy Hour, which is on Criterion, which I've been slowly watching, and it is amazing, but he's not a household name. Mm. Um, not even, you know, to the likes of uh, Bong Joon Ho, who won uh, Parasite, which is a very firmly established international filmmaker at that point. Rusuke Hamaguchi is a well regarded filmmaker, but not, not even to the same extent of Asghar Fahadi, who we reviewed last week on A Hero. So I wonder with the preamble of we are taking a special trip. To drive out somewhere uh, unique, as I did for you, as my brother did for me, to talk about the Best Picture nominee, or to, to see the Best Picture nominee drive my car. How did the film kind of work for you? Well, that's a lot of, that's a lot of buildup, I think. For, 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 for specific purpose. Okay, well, uh, in in that case, um, the experience of going to see it was really, really nice. Um, And and obviously, like I had mentioned, this is a long movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say I was worried about that, as I tend to be these days, because time uh, is the one resource I cannot build more of. And, um, uh, you know, I was worried, like, this might drag or blah, blah, blah. And it didn't drag. Hmm. Um, I think the interesting thing that this movie does, even beyond starting its opening credits at 45 minutes in. Hmm. Um, Baller move, it, by the way. Yeah, I'm I know. That's, you, you really did. like, that's a mic drop and a half. Yeah. Um, is what I really liked about this movie, what I think what kept me cognizant of its runtime while not begrudging it. Like, I, I, I will say I didn't get, like, so lost in this movie that time had no meaning. I understood how long it was, but I was like, I like this. This is contemplative. This is, this is, this is going places I don't expect and naturally shifting what I think is going on or what the important part is that the film is trying to say in a very slow but enjoyable pace. Mm. Like, you could really pull, like, two or three movies out of this movie if you really wanted to and have them at, like, an hour and a half runtime and they'd be fine. Mm. Like, I I think what I really liked was sort of the, the natural flow this narrative took between the characters and where we sort of end up. Of course, there is an overarching uh you know uh plot and and um and and meaning of the film however i think it really did this nice sort of like it almost oddly enough sheer felt a bit anthology hmm. in my mind yeah. but like tied together in such a nice way yeah um the character moments and the and how they interact is so um uh sincere like through and through like you just you you understand the the types of relationships people eventually get into uh all the acting is quite reserved in the interior play in the film doubly so mm. <laughs> um or at least in the method uh that um that our main character sort of is teaching um 
I, I thought that it was really nice to see this particular movie in a theater. Yeah. Because it felt like um, I would have enjoyed this movie having watched it at home. But there's something when it comes to films that I consider a journey that I really like taking the journey myself to go to, if right. that makes sense. It's a bit of meta narrative context that I build in through my own life. Whereas it's different than if I walked, you know, 50 feet the other direction and snapped on my home stuff. Um, so I, I think it was very effective, uh, to answer your point, to do what your brother did for you and to go, uh, you know, down to the local the local multiplex <laughs> and uh, and see this movie there. Uh, the, the, only other, the only other people we heard, at least at the late hour in that theater, was uh, a bunch of people in uh, Jackass Forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which was the, you know, the quintessential opposite of the experience I have. No less, no less valid. Yeah. Just a very, very different thing than what you hear and I watch. What about you, buddy? How did you feel about the... The, the journey did did was was the journey better than the destination? Oh, there's the journey. No, the destination was really worth the trip for me. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to set up all the preamble because I think when I think about the fact that we're going to see this under the pretext of oh, it's a best picture nominee and it's important, you know, therefore ergo it's an important movie uh, and and there is some weight to it. I I think about uh, I was actually on a phone call with another friend of ours, uh, Annie, who's been on the show before uh, and Annie! who. Uh, who has talked to us a lot about movies, and I was like, you know, she wanted to know what I thought of the thing uh, of it, and I and I was like, look, I think the pretext of this being an Oscar movie not harms it, but but kind of maybe gives you the wrong idea about what the movie is, because when I think about what an Oscar movie is, sometimes I think about again that quality that my brother kind of, like under the pretext of which we went and saw Dances with Wolves, which was that there is something. Um, significantly important about it, and in in a weird way, by by giving it the moniker of the award, something sensational about it, you know, something that that garners awards, and I think Drive My Car is a, an absolutely uh, amazing, life affirming. But quiet film, you know, like it is, it is, it is. Right, but can it be quiet and those things you described? I'm sure it can. I would struggle to think of an Oscar winning movie or Oscar nominee that has the same level of quietness that this film I'm sure there's nominees. Possibly. I don't think that there's been a winner. Yeah, but that's the thing. I would, I would, I struggle to kind of just think of one nominee that is like quiet and contemplative. Even like, um, probably. Uh, the the front runner this year, the the power of the dog, has a sensational quality to it. Um, you know, I don't, I wouldn't put uh, drive my Is car it in the same quality. More and, sensational than this? Yeah, I would say so. I think, I think. Uh, well, I guess can you can you tell me what you're meaning by sensational? I think there's a there's a quality to. Uh, what I'm describing, and it is a feeling I'm describing, and it is not empirical in it by any sense of the word. But something you're not that an emperor? suggests. Say that again. He said it's not empirical, and I was like, "You're not an emperor." No, empirical means there's no evidence to back I what know, I'm saying. I know, I <laughs> know, I understand. Um, but I, I think there's a quality to the kinds of films I'm talking about, which is once they win the moniker of best picture or get nominated for best best um, film, that they have a sort of larger than life quality to it. And this movie is not larger than life. This movie is life itself. And well, quiet well, and contemplative in a sort of minor key, and it's beautiful in on those terms. And I, I love. I guess I never equated terms. it 
I've never equated it to having a sort of larger than life element of it. What I what I see it is is it is it, it is a it is film uh, society or culture saying that this is a relevant film for the times that we live in. Right, like that's what I've always sort of and I've never sort of uh, taken that for spectacle or or bombasticness. Actually, weirdly, this might be something that uh, is uh, kind of akin to that email. Like like I I view the movies that I view as sensational. Mm-hmm. Are what like I'm gonna go see tomorrow. I don't mean sensational as in like exquisite. I mean like whoa, look at that! Oh boy, wow! Yeah. Like it, you know. And I, I think our films are films like Uncharted. Well, like but for me, like, when we went to see Dances with Wolves, uh, I think there is that quality that I'm looking for when it has received this moniker, right? Like that is that. I guess whoa, I, I don't what see... is this thing that I'm about to watch? I still got the whoa! What is this thing I'm about to watch with this movie? But it was just a quieter movie, right? Like I get, I, I'm not, I'm not following. I, I guess again, I go back and I think this is just a different way that we sort of look at these things, which is you know totally a okay. The the uh, the sensationalist. I'm just going to keep using that word, even though we're kind of moving around its meaning. Ness um, of the of the entire thing um, is. I I take that as sort of the uh, blockbusteriness or the the mm, like no, the movies I, that I would I know you don't mean I, that but like the movies that would mean like that would win visual effects is where I no sort no of no, go no. With I'm that not vibe. using the word sensational in that context I'm using it in the in the sense that there is something beyond there is something I guess maybe there's something movie movie about the movie if that may if that kind of quantifies I still it don't follow yeah, I mean, yeah okay I could go the full oh, I mean there is one word that describes. What you're describing? Well, what's that? You don't want because if you're going to say what I think you're going to say, I'm first. I'm going to say it's two words, not one. No, you say it quick. <laughs> you, 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 have to, you have to roll through. Well, this is why I don't like that word because that word doesn't encompass uh, the, those two words. Don't encompass what I what we're going to say. But you can say the words if you like. No, I'm not gonna. <laughs> that's that's how Voldemort comes. <laughs> um, but at any rate, I think that to to just quantify it as. What I think is interesting about this movie it is is that it is quiet and life affirming and in in a sort of very meditative and contemplative way and and like you say it it's it takes it takes a while to even really get into the rhythm of what the movie is because I mm. spent those you know like the first probably the first hour of the movie going. Oh, what is the quality of this movie that is getting everyone so excited about this to be the you know to be one of the front runners for best picture to have won so many awards? I was kind of like I, I just framed that in the back of my mind because this is the context with which I'm watching the movie, and and I go and, and it wasn't until like we're a solid maybe an hour and a half maybe even close to the two hour mark where I start starting to feel the thing that I think is interesting about this movie, and it's not its awards potential or it's sort of again, sensational quality that makes it bigger or doing something more extraordinary than, than, you know, most movies that year. It's this quiet understanding of human suffering. And it's this quiet contemplative idea that we are all burdened with tragedy in some way. And we all have, and, and what I think I, I, I really responded to most in, as I was watching this movie is that that burden of, tragedy of suffering is to be endured it's it's not to be overcome it is not to be won over it is not to be you know we are not supposed to escape from it it is to be endured and that is what makes us human and and 
that's a that's a really like it's a I don't know maybe maybe I'm putting a lot of emphasis on the fact that that it's an Oscar winning movie or an Oscar nominated movie and that but you know I'm just remembering when my brother took me to see Dance with the Wolves and comparing it to the experience of going to see this I think this movie is is amazing you know like I think in in the sort of um, when you mentioned anthology um, I think for me the filmmaker that comes to mind is Edward Yang in the film uh, Yi Yi or a one and a two which is the the sort of long form anthology almost a three hour film about this family after a divorce uh and and how their lives change over the course of the year um but to me that's the that's the quality of this that i think is really interesting is that how astute it is about um human suffering and and the 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 weight of the tragedies that these people feel um which is immense and revealed slowly in the way which you don't really know what a person is going through until you actually spend time with them. And it's like in the process of spending time with them through this movie that you come to understand the weight of what people are suffering through and how different, both how different and how similar it is. I want to get into some of the the similarities that people are are dealing with here. Um, Well, to your point, uh, uh, and to my point, to both our points, (laughs) um, the... I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's that you don't understand a person until you sort of can spend time with them, I think is a message that a lot of people, in particular artists, uh, are really gravitating toward during the this phase of the pandemic. Uh, everyone is meaner. I'm meaner. Like, mm. it's just everyone's fuses are shorter. And uh, I think one reason uh, that I bet you this resonated a lot with the Academy and with a lot of different viewers, specifically this year, is it's a stark reminder that you're right. Everyone has a, a bit of suffering. Everyone is, has their own stuff, but you're not going to know why the, a specific person is acting a certain way or in uh, a various point of pain until you get you spend time with them. And this movie spends time with its characters. Um, and so I think there might be a reflection there as to why why now, going, going back to my point of I've always taken Oscar-nominated films as a moment in time that resonates with the world that we currently are in. Like, I don't think that if we looked back at, uh, you know, 1983's Oscars, it would really feel particularly, uh, you know... Uh, relevant to today's times depending on what we're doing when you look at them all across the board if you're trying to find like something that they had tied in together right so yeah I, by the I think way that's the, really the winner of the 1983 best picture was gandhi sure i mean great <laughs> uh, love it uh you know would have liked you know not a white dude to be playing him but it's fine it's well, fine, no, it's fine. Uh, ben kingsley is uh partially indian by the way he is yeah he is he, he is, I, I believe, okay, I'm going to Google this right now, Ben Kingsley. I don't know. Uh, uh, this he, is the hard-hitting facts you come here for when, when we challenge each other and one of us has to look it up. Um, yes, he is an English mother, mother and a Gujarati father. So he's actually hmm. from the same place that I'm from. I take it back. Yeah. Um, interesting. Nice. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Uh, but my my I guess my my point behind it still stands. Uh, the I, I like looking at the Oscars. As I, I think that a is a much more time in life. That is a much more generous interpretation of how I think the Oscars works. But uh, I like well, it. let me be clear. <laughs> let me be very clear. It's also based entirely on money and commercialism, and it's what people find. I, I think it's it's 
it's a combination, especially since they've moved it to ten films. Mm-hmm. They're able to do a little bit of wiggle room yeah. around like what like, oh yeah, well we got like our five or six that like are the moneymaker pleasers. But also like, yeah, this movie did make me think and feel something for some reason. Huh, that's really weird. Throw it in the list. Like that's I, I that's where I that's my full thing. That's my full uh meaningful and really cynical take on it. I think now that we've got a meaningful and cynical take about the the position of this movie and the way in which a lot of people will be seeing it, we should forget the about the Oscars for a little bit and talk about the details of this movie in of itself to to kind of really get at the heart of how how it actually affected us or or worked with us. I will say um, before before we kind of do that, the the Murakami of it all. Um, there is a part of me that uh, again through Norwegian Wood, through Burning, and through this kind of is sensing a pattern that I am less enthralled with. And that is the, I mean, look, the title of the book that, that the, of which the short story came from is called Men Without Women. And the films that we have uh, talked about with him, Norwegian Wood and Burning, and now this, are ostensibly about men in the absence of women that they have idolized in some way or mm-hmm. are living in the shadow of. And I think it's interesting because it, it kind of, frames women as uh, mythical creatures and not real people in some way. Um, and, and you know, like there, there's a kind of a sense, a pattern there that I'm, I'm getting, I, I think, again, is done with a, with a real degree of elegance. But at the same time, I'm kind of like seeing, you know, across three movies, at least, a kind of pattern that is repeating itself that feels perhaps uh, if, if, the, if it's the only way to view uh, um, uh, women in particular could be somewhat damaging. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Well, I actually I, I agree completely, though. I will say in this movie, out of all of those that you just listed, uh, especially Burning, uh, this one, I think uh, Mika- uh, Mikasi uh, Watari, played by uh, Toko Miura. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm probably butchering that. I apologize. Uh, I think that's sort of the the takeaway. That's sort of the outlier in all of the women in these stories yeah she is a um, woman who is actually at the center of this story unlike the other two movies that i kind of mentioned well, where there the are at, men dealing with the absence of women I would however she is also possibly... dealing with the absence of a woman as well <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah 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 very true very true yeah. um but if we you know i we can't I, I don't like having uh, my cake and eating it too in that particular sort of thing like if there's going to be represent like i don't care what the topic of the thing is it's if if the problem is sort of the representation of a specific type of person, there is a person being represented. It's it's not representation. It's not uh, it's not saying that we need one thing more than the other, or I want this film to be something else. Mm-hmm. It's just saying that there is a repeated motif in the work in his writing that I've noticed, which is about the absence of women. And and I sure, think, but this is the first time I've seen a woman sort of not as this, as you sort of put it, mythical creature front and center. Though in Burning, I guess it's been a minute. I'd have to, I'd have to revisit Burning to really get yeah. that. Um, but but in Burning, a woman is goes missing and two men kind of uh, I, uh, uh, idolize yeah, you her. Know, I, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's the same in Norwegian Wood, which is about a woman, which is about a, ma- a male character who, uh, uh, who's, who's, uh, uh, female love interest has a, uh, a mental breakdown and, and then he is kind of left absent without her, uh, and kind of thinking about what she means to his life kind of thing. And by representation, of course, I'm not just meaning like seeing th- someone on a screen. I'm talking about like seeing, a a, a specific person's perspective, mm. like, and I do feel like in this film we do get that eventually again it's in the later half of the second or third hour uh but we get there um so the 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 structure of this film is that um 
uh, Kafkusan uh, is is an actor who's at the beginning of the film is, is working and director and, and director and he's working on um, uh, waiting for Godot. He is obviously uh, you know a, a classically trained theater actor. Uh, his wife uh, uh, Otu is also a screenwriter, and they share stories together. And uh, there's this sort of lovely kind of interplay as a couple where she will tell him a story, and then he will continue that story as they drive their car. And it's kind of this ongoing conversation is about the the way in which stories are crafted between these two people, and. The stories, uh, the, the interesting that we learn, uh, thing that we learned over the course of the movie is those stories are kind of propelled as they have sex. And so their sex life is part of the, the act of creating stories. I took it as it was this, their sex life was the onus of it. She would just sort of start t- telling a story after they had had sex. Then well, during remember, they were having sex. And, or and, during or whatever. And as she was orgasming, she would continue the story. Sure. Uh, and then she wouldn't really remember it. And then in the car, he would tell her, and then they'd work on it together. And like, that's how it. I. Yeah, but yeah. six was six in storytelling was kind of part of the right. Thing but together. sex in storytelling was the onus, not the car. The car was like the work, the workshop. Yeah, where the, but where but, the, but, but know, I but they you know they continued the, the story was as the they were driving. Workshop. Um, <laughs> and, and then uh, uh, the thing that you know the the sort of quietly devastating moment, but not altogether surprising, is that uh, Kafka uh, has to. Uh, is going to somewhere to um, ju- be the, uh, the on the jury of, of some selection committee. His flight is delayed, and in the sort of most classical infidelity kinds of stories, he comes home to see his wife is having an affair with uh, an, another actor uh, whom he met the night before. Um, yet what's interesting about this is that he continues the facade of a happy marriage, even though we're kind of, as an audience, questioning why is he not more upset about this, um, he continues to kind of like pretend as though he doesn't know about the affair and they continue to, you know, live life as they normally would, including uh, continuing to have sex and continuing this one particular story that they've been telling uh, about a woman, about a young girl who is sneaking into peop- uh, her her love interest's house and leaving small tokens of herself as she uh, a- as she is in the house. And, and then, of course, uh, Otu uh, dies very suddenly. Um, she comes home and she has died um, uh, very suddenly one night from a uh, brain aneurysm, I believe. Yes. Um, and then we we jump ahead to two or three years later, or two years later, and uh, uh, Kafka-san is take is now invited to, as the as the story suggests, um, put on a production of Uncle Vanya, uh, and he is treated with the you know like uh, as an artist residency. I was like, this is one of the most respectful artist residencies where they're like, we've hired you a driver, and I was like, really? Wow, <laughs> well, wow, <laughs> because we don't want you to get hurt while you're out here putting this play on for us and I was like man this dude is really like either the arts are more highly respected in this region of Hiroshima or or this is one of the most prestigious actors to live in Tokyo in Japan uh yes and side note so the all of the stuff we've described right before this two-year break okay is before the opening credits in 45 minutes that's why we didn't put it as spoilers even though it is the first 45 minutes of the film yeah uh, now we'll get into spoilers. <laughs> Specific spoilers. And then from this point on, there is a lot of scenes of him driving while he's being driven by uh, Tokomura, uh, by Masaki, sorry, mm-hmm. um, listening to a cassette tape that his wife recorded for him 
of uh, the the sides for Uncle Vanya. So she would record one side and then he would revise his lines. And this was very important to him because this is how he would learn the lines. And, and the timing. It's and, how he actually did all of his directing. Too. Yeah, exactly. And he has this sort of method for how he uh, produces these plays, which is, which is seen as um, a little bit uh, jarring for the actors that he's working with, which is that he tells them to read it without any emotion and they have to knock on the table as they finish a line. Um, so it's very robotic. A lot of them aren't digging it. And interestingly, the young actor with whom Otto, his wife, was having an affair with is one of the actors who has come to audition and has gotten the part of Vanya in Uncle Vanya. Also, he's like, he's a disgraced, like, TV heartthrob star or something due to some scandal you don't find out about until they're on a ferry, like, an hour and a half, two hours later in the movie. Yeah, you find out that he may have been dating younger women or something along those lines, Mm -hmm. but he clearly is also um, grieving for uh, the the love that he had for Otto as well, um, Kafka-san's wife, uh, which is really, you know, like... It, the it, balls of that kid the balls to walk of that, that audition. Yeah, yeah, to go to the audition and to, like, get the part and to be there. Um, the other thing that I guess maybe is interesting here, again, this is all very gentle and very sort of, like, lovingly portrayed. Um, there's an interesting thing, which is that the cast of Uncle Vanya that they have, uh, one speaks Mandarin, and one is uh, hearing impaired uh, and speaks and uh, uses sign language to communicate. Um, uh, then there is a Korean speaker. So the, the the play is now this like real medley of different, um, different languages and approaches. Uh, and then very slowly uh, over time, Basically, these characters get to unravel to each other the the grief that they are all experiencing, and it's and it is very very gentle because it's not prompted by any explosive moments. Although there is one uh, later on, um, but it is a very gentle unraveling. Did, did, like, did you kind of like that was the quality that I think I was kind of struck by was and it was it was the conversation between um, I believe it's. Uh, Takashi and uh, Kafku, where they're talking about the the story that Otto had been telling them uh, of the young girl who leaves the tokens in the in the in the house. That that's when I was like, oh, this is when sparks are starting to fly in terms of the electricity on screen, in terms of like the conflict is brewing between these two characters because. Otto told uh, Takashi more of the story than she told um, Kafku. You know, I thought that. I thought this is where the 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 the, the moment would be, where yeah. like there's a freak out or so. And but like then there's not. It's not like, a freak out. Like, that's the thing. It's it. That's the thing about this movie. It's such it's such a glacially, gently placed kind of film. Yeah. That, that 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 there's no like moment. Though <laughs> I will say, <laughs> as we've been describing a movie that is gently and glacially placed, there is a murder in the middle of this. Yeah, but it's off screen. It's off screen, but there is a murder that happens. <laughs> Right, most most foul, and, and an accidental murder. Well, <laughs> it's manslaughter, second degree. I don't know, but um, but Takashi uh, is often uh, bombarded by people who photograph him in secret. Actually, at one point, when the camera click happens off screen, as someone takes a photo of him off screen, uh, I actually was like, because I had my ha- like my hand was on my pocket, and and I and I heard the click, and I was like. Did my phone just go off? And I was like, but it, was it, me, it was me taking your picture. Yeah. And well, no, I heard it happen again. I was like, am I, am I activating I my started, phone? I should have um, started doing that. Just yeah. Just um, and, and this then, uh, the, the, uh, Takashi, uh, off screen, 
uh, assaults one of the people that is taking his photograph. And later as they're rehearsing the play, he is arrested because that person whom he assaulted has now died. Uh, and this means that uh, Kafku uh, will have to step in and play Uncle Vanya, which is something he doesn't want to do anymore because he feels he gets too emotionally vested in, the wor- in Chekhov's words. Um, so he and Misaki uh, drive to where her mother died, which is another rev- revelation that she has told him that uh, she has kind of lived a uh, uh, his driver has lived a rough life because as a child, her, mo- her mother used to work for a dancers club and she would drive her to and from the dancers club and would kind of be beaten and abused by her mother. But at some point, uh, living in this small island, uh, their house was destroyed by falling debris from a mountain and uh, Misaki uh, didn't save her mother and is living with the guilt of not having saved her mother. Um so now the stage is set for kind of what the important part of this movie is. And, and the thing that I'm, I guess maybe that I'm kind of trying to set the stage because it takes three hours to get to that point, right? Like it's, a, it's, not, it's not like, you know, if I, if I had to say, yeah, it's really just about uh, Kafka and, and Watari kind of talking through their both, uh, their relative baggage. It takes three hours to get to the point where we, where, the, where they actually even are able to talk about their baggage, right? You know what I liked. You know what I liked about that process here. Yeah. Those two characters don't get into any of the classic like they're starting to get along. No, it's but not then that. there's a misunderstanding, and then the da 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 like it, like it doesn't do anything. It's just the slow, gradual uh, closeness forming that can happen with a coworker. And eventually, sometimes that turns into something special like a podcast for seven years. So, like, <laughs> like, like, it was nice to see that, right? Like, yeah. it, it felt natural and not, like, hokified in, in sort of the relationships we're used to seeing. But then did I had this – there's a moment when uh, Kafka's at dinner with, uh, with, uh, with one of the other actors who turns out to be one of well, the, the producer pe- Yeah, the producer is married to wife. – yeah, he's married. Is one of married to one of the actors, and and he he didn't want to tell uh, Kafka that that he was married to one of the actors, the the actors who's uh, out of hearing. Um, he didn't want to tell her. Um, uh, he didn't want to tell him that because he didn't want any special treatment. He didn't want any special treatment. But at that dinner, uh, Kafka's is. Um, uh, you know, he he kind of as he's been quiet and methodical and not very complimentary of anybody. And then, you know, like someone, you know, says, how is how is uh, Watari's driving? Uh, is she a good driver? And he said and he and he lays out the most sort of like beautiful compliment on anybody's driving I've ever heard, yeah. which was like he was like she he says, I almost forget I'm in a car and her driving is so perfect. Like there's no there's no sense of uneasiness. It's completely confident, and and like the other actress was like, I wish you would talk to us that way. You know, like like it's just, it's just like he lays out this sort of like beautiful soliloquy about how great a driver she is. So his car is kind of like his sanctuary. Yeah. This entire thing, and he's he's hesitant to let anyone drive it. He doesn't want to drive her, and then slowly but surely he gets used to it, and and I think he starts actually really liking the the experience, and then that's where that compliment comes in. I think it's literally because. I mean, you you could break it down and, and uh, why he feels that way or why why the relationship starts to blossom. But I personally think it's because that's the one time that he's usually um, sort of 
alone with his thoughts. Yeah. But now he can do that with another person around that is not interrupting him still. So it is still rejuvenative and restful. Yeah. But like there's a second like there's a closeness in silence and um and that sort of uh I don't know, a- elevated in the sense and I think that's sort of what brings the trust for her to drive his car. Uh yeah. In the name of the movie. Um but it's oh, oh sorry, no no go ahead go ahead. I was gonna say it's just it's just nice it, it's 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 I I'm glad the movie is called Drive My Car mm-hmm. because it's weird I didn't quite know what to think of the title when I first went into it but if you you know even if you think about it for just a split second it's the perfect phrase to describe exactly how and why these characters' lives shift and change. Yeah. Um, and it's just such a nice sort of like centerpiece for that when you wouldn't think so with something as innocuous as the phrase drive my car. And then I, I think the thing that's interesting here, again, and I, I feel like this is something I don't love doing as a reviewer, which is like we're, I'm kind of chronologically going through the movie. And but, then. And then, and then, and then. But, and the reason I don't like doing that because I, I think the movie, like a movie experience is more about like the, the, the sort of feeling you get from it. But the thing is this movie is all about feelings of these characters. And and the river, what's interesting is the way the movie like lays out those moments in slow droplets of information so that you don't get it all at once. Um, and and so you get this interesting backstory. So we've explained the backstory of Watari, who, you know, again, was kind of from this abusive household and her mother died and she lives with the guilt of it. Um, but then we also get, you know, like throughout the story, up until this point, we get the sense that Otu, uh, Kafka's wife, was just someone who was, had been cheating on him and, you know, like he has just been holding on to this grief when he doesn't need to because he should feel somewhat, um, you know, uh, ambivalent about her since she would she would have affairs for him. You know, like he, he's, he should be allowed to feel that pain of, of, of being cheated upon. But then he tells us the story that makes you rethink entirely who Otto is, which is that they had a daughter uh, who died when she was four years old. Interestingly, she would be the same age as Watari now, 23. So, th- so there's an interesting sort of parental um, yeah. uh, relationship that is formed there. But and and Kafka describes it as that was the last time we were happy together. Well, that was the last of our happiness, and and that while they were together and deeply bonded together, she would you know her, her wife, his wife, would seek out other men for for sex and for affairs, and but it would still always come home to him or always be together. So this is why he's never. Like he is hurt by her affairs, but he also understands that she's grieving and she is her own person and that she is living with a kind of grief that is beyond his beyond the the scope of their relationship. And he he kind of and he has lived his life the last 23 years or the last um, uh, 19 years, allowing her to live that grief, um, Mm. which is really touching, you know, like in beautiful that 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 he's done that. Yeah, and there's also the the sort of sentiment of you'll never be able to a hundred percent know a person, mm. and that's not a detriment. Like that's that's to to accept that about uh, a loved one. Yeah, is probably the kindest thing one can do for another person. Like. To just know, and I'm not saying like, yeah, if you're, <laughs> if if that's something you can't like square your grief with, or your your significant other's cheating on you, just accept it. No, that's not the thing. But like, 
we're never going to know our partners entirely. Like we'll know them very well and we can we can get the, like uh, a lot of stuff on precedent and history and and just sort of emotional resonance that you have with them, but like everyone's a person that's on the inside too and no matter what, and this is a good thing, you know, we'll never quite know entirely that person and that's okay. I think that's that sort of the the takeaway I got from it when he was sort of giving that revelation about like, you know, he was kind of like breaking down, uh, not really trying to explain why she did what she did, just like sort of going through the list of how they got there and why he acted the way he acted yeah. and and around those things and why the value he got and the love that he had for her and he believed she had for him was enough to get them through that uh, was just sort of a really lovely, um, uh, you know, sentiment slash monologue at that point. Um, and and kind of prof- like profoundly human and unusual, like but equally human in that it is revelatory about the way human beings interact with each other. Like you say, to sort of say that it, it's not an apologist for her for her having an affair, but it's understanding the situation that created that 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 environment, yeah. and that it's also unusual, right? Like it is an unusual thing to say that that. He has the capacity not only to forgive her for for her infidelity, but to understand her infidelity, like to actually profoundly understand that there is a need in her that he can't fulfill, and and you know it's that's okay, and mm. and I like that that is a that is quite an unusual sort of um, uh, touch point, um, you know, and and it it again what I think is sort of. In terms of the length of the movie and the way in which it drips out information over time is that that feels like a revelation to us because for the entire for like the two hours that we have been watching for us Otto We're has like, what been, the fuck? Yeah, has been this woman <laughs> that like had an affair with him because that's all we know of her. But then he kind of explains this other dimension to her, which is that she, you know, like lived with this long standing grief. And I was yeah. like, Jesus, yeah, that is I, I you know, like and, and the thing about it is you're thinking about like the depth of one's grief and it's like this person lost their daughter and never had another child and never, uh, you know, never moved on from that and has lived for like the last 19 years, you know, uh, with that in her, in her heart as Watari has lived with the death of her mother in her heart. Um, you know, like the, these people are all hanging on to this. And then, so what, you know, like we, we talked about Asghar Fahadi's A Hero uh, last week. And a couple of years ago, we talked about uh, his uh, previous best foreign film winner, uh, A Salesman, which is a movie that never quite worked for me because of the interplay between, uh, I believe it's Arthur Miller's play, The Salesman, and the narrative that was going on in that film. I never really, um, I never really loved the interplay between the play and the film in that in that movie it's it, it, sure. you know like it's good but it just didn't quite work for me and in this one we finally get to the final monologue from from Uncle Vanya which is now being delivered by um uh Yuna uh the 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 um uh hearing impaired actress uh, who speaks in AS, in uh, sign language and she delivers the final monologue from Sonia in that play which is about which she delivers to Vanya about the the idea that we are we will live life to the end without any like it, and this is maybe the most pessimistic outlook on it but it was like I I kind of like just took something away from this again 
was that we will live life with suffering and God, when we come to the pearly gates, will see that suffering and take pity upon us. And that will be, and we will have endured and we will live and we will survive. And that is, that is what we'll do. It's just, it's just a very profoundly, um, at least non, uh, non-triumphant approach to storytelling <laughs> and non, yeah, and, sure. and, and, un, and like, again, profoundly human and, and, you know, like kind of more in touch with maybe the place, maybe you're right. Maybe the place we're in as a society right now, which is that we're all suffering in our own way. And the weight of that suffering is very different for every person, but we will all, we all endure something that we can't understand about another person. And even down to the ending, right? Like even like it's funny. I was watching an interview with the with the director, and um, they were talking about how like uh, this is he's like someone who he respects very much says that this was one of their favorite films, if only they had ended it at the end of the play. Mm. Like the director said that in an interview, and he's like, but like I want. He basically was saying how he wanted this sort of ending of like not finished or imperfectness because mm. that's how this stuff works. Yeah. Like if it was just sort of an ending and there was clapping in the theater in the movie, then people might clap and he didn't like want that to happen. Yeah. So like to see uh, uh, Misaki um, sort of uh, later on, uh, like in the car, like by herself with a dog, you see that she likes dogs earlier yeah. in the in the piece and like life just goes on. Yeah, because that's what it does. But and she's that's also, a, and she's moved on in a way as well. Yeah. You know, like and, and she is now taken a part of Kafka with her, which is that she yeah. has his car. So, so, but like, that's the thing. It's, yeah. it's triumph, but never completely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a personal victory at the cost of still suffering. Like there's, there's a lot of. Yeah, it's personal endurance, right? Like yeah. it's just like. Well, that's what endurance yeah, yeah. is, is victory throughout suffering. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I, I think I go, I, I do go back to my, my comment of, of this is the sort of perfect time for this movie because it's what a lot of people are feeling. Yeah. Um, I, I, I buy that. I, th- I think that's yeah. a good read on what is the quality about this movie that makes it somewhat, you know, in my words, sensational for the mm-hmm. time and, and, and why so many awards are, are being garnered upon it. But uh, it is, I, I, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, um, one thing I do want to say by the end of this is um, if you've gotten this far and you're not going to watch the movie, you should watch the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because... Uh, we're describing sort of things. We're, we're describing the feeling that we sort of got around it, and we're describing very mundane things. But something I, I – it's one of the subsections of cinema that I absolutely love is I love seeing mundane shit displayed to me so perfectly or beautifully or, or like, evocatively in a certain way. Mm. And this movie takes things like driving down a highway yeah. or uh, being in a theater uh, rehearsal or uh, looking out a window, or being on a dock, like, and it makes them like, <laughs> like events. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's and, there's like a precision to it that's like that's very unshowy as well. Like, there's a kind yeah. of like quiet, elegant precision to all of this. To the point where there's a scene when they're driving, uh, they're taking the ferry. Yeah. And uh, he's uh, walking by. And he just looks down at the water going at night. Yeah. And you're like. It's just a shot. It's an above him shot, over the shoulder, down, looking over a railing, not precarious at all, just sort of like looking at the splashing water going by the, in, the, in the boat's wake. And you're like, at that moment, because you haven't seen anything that dark or that like 
uh, tumultuous, mm. you're sort of like, oh god, yeah, like where you is this going? like, oh fuck, like <laughs> yeah. it, it, you get this weird moment, but like, no, it's just a shot of a dude looking over the edge of a boat. We've all done it. <laughs> like anyway, it's a lot of that. So yeah. if if there's anything, uh, I, what I, I'll just just be my sort of final thought is. Just uh, this movie is worth it for the the journey in of itself because the whole movie is journey. Mm. Like, uh, and nothing that we say about it, I think, w- will, uh, w- despite the fact how eloquent we speak, uh, <laughs> will uh, get the emotion across that this thing does in its small moments. I think it's very special. I think that's why it's nominated for an Oscar. So, yeah, I liked it a lot. You should go watch it if you already haven't. It is quietly devastating and deeply affecting and gives you more to think about in terms of like what the human experience is than I than I've felt in a while. And even, you know, um, and and it sneaks up. This is a movie that like undeceptively sneaks up on you, (laughs) you know, like without without trying to. It just kind of quietly lays out. This is what life is about. And you're like, oh, my God, that is what life is about. And and and, uh, you know, I think I think the totality of the experience was was something to kind of cherish at the movies also, because it's it's kind of the you know, if you're speaking about from the time that we live in, it is the it it is entirely antithetical to what it means to live through the pandemic in New York City in 2021. Which is that it, you know, like it is not driven by short sound bites with ads coming at you. It is like long, ponderous moments about people discussing the meaning of a play and and you know, working through the process of a play and revealing stories about themselves in that process. It is the um, it is uh, the my dinner with Andre um, of two thousand and twenty one. It is, but it's it's it, it really is truly affecting. And I, and I think you know uh, if you're watching it on HBO Max, like I I would just say, really set time for yourself to absorb this and not like be distracted and just kind of like put your phone let, in the other room. Yeah, let yourself soak in this movie, like soak in what it is what it is working on because it is quiet. It, it speaks to you with a whisper. You will be aware of the time, but you will not regret spending it. Yeah, that is the, what I will say. Yeah. The three hours um, were entirely worth it, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, there was not a part of this where I was going, well, I wish this would kind of move along or anything. It was like, it was entirely worth the time and the effort that it took to get for us to get out there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, for all those reasons, I actually really absolutely love this film and uh, highly recommend it. Yeah. Well, everybody, hi, hello. This has been the only podcast about the film Drive My Car. <laughs> uh, Shahir, when you're not driving me in your car, mm. where can folks find you? Oh, it was a rental, by the way, because my car is currently in the <laughs> shop because of my accident last week, which is fun. Uh, so you can file me, find me filing insurance papers and what have you about <laughs> a car accident uh, at my website, www.shahirdowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. And Matt, when you are quietly whispering in the ear of your listeners profound truths about the human experience, where can people find you? You can find me admitting that I let my mother die in a mudslide oh my over my website. That's super <laughs> this dark. so dark. Uh, but also on point for the movie. I didn't actually do that. That's from a character's <laughs> perspective over at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. It's my mother's birthday today, so I feel doubly oh bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on uh, Instagram and PSN. And, of course, Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. Uh, also, please check out the good works we're doing over at Extra Credits. I believe by this point, oh boy, we had a good week this week by the time this comes out. We um, we did an expose on what uh, one of our board game designer friends is calling the Paperocalypse. Okay. Uh, the extinction level event that's happening in the board game industry, basically. 
What is the due to the pandemic? Long story short, it started with an uptick and things are going like dominoes are falling in the supply chain as it is everywhere. But board games have a couple specific things. So we we talk through that and we give a few tips you can do to help support uh, board game creators or game creators that you love that are going through. Because, again, like this movie was talking about, everyone is a fucking person and you cannot understand them until you actually get in, like, you know, interact with them for long periods of time, not just on Twitter. So please check that out. We also have a special episode on Maya Angelou uh, out. Uh, please go check that out. Oh, written cool. by our friend of the show here, Stephen Van Patten, yep. uh, the, the most dapper undead uh, king that I know. <laughs> and then uh, we'll, in the... Near the end of our uh, Empire of Brazil series, things are getting real with uh, ditching kids and going overseas. So please check that out. Um, also, email us in at this show, uh, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. What did you think of Drive My Car? Will you go see it now because we told you <laughs> because to? Because we've told you everything about it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let us know. Uh, I was about to say, let us know in the comments. We don't have comments. You can give us a review. We haven't talked about that. You could go on the iTunes machine box and give us a bunch of stars. Is that in fact, people still do these things? I, I don't well, even I, know I think anymore. they actually do. Like, it does help. Uh, actually, write us in if you found us randomly through the Apple podcast <laughs> ecosystem. I'd be real curious to find out. Um, yeah. Next week. Um, at, well, I mean, Shahir, if you want, we can do Uncharted. I am going to see <laughs> Uncharted tomorrow. Oh, God. Um, uh, I, I was I, trying to think of a fun guest to get, like, for a video game movie if, if we did want to talk about Uncharted. But, like, I actually... I'm curious. I'll let you know if there's anything added to the video game movie conversation. From the reviews I'm reading, there isn't. Mm. Um, but I, I would like to make the judgment of myself. Uh, I think I would just honestly, I, I really did love playing Uncharted. I, I would just like to play an Uncharted game. I haven't played one in a while. You I would rather Uncharted I, like, 4. I feel like I would enjoy that more than the movie at this point. Like, oh, 100%. I actually played it on stream last week. I might yeah. be playing it tomorrow as well uh, over on twitch.tv slash extra credits uh, because the PS5 upgrade of the already beautiful PS4, uh, A Thief's mm. End, uh, is out. And uh, God, what? That is just, that that game is a cinematic delight. There is no, I've said this for uh, forever, there is no need for an Uncharted film. There is yeah. none. Yeah. That's, um, that's how I felt when I was playing the game. I was like, oh, this has captured a kind of level of cinema yeah. as a game that re renders the the sort of passive watching of a cinematic version of this irrelevant. Yeah. Right. Like that. The, like when I when I played it, I was like, oh yeah, I get it. I yeah, get why people it. love they, this. They they yeah. literally were like, what's great about movies? Let's make a game. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like, now my, they're uh, like, what's great about this game? Let's make a movie. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. 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 Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week with a movie, probably not Uncharted, but you never know. We could, we, we are, now that we've done at least Drive My Car, at least, which I think, and, and Power of the Dog, we could probably get to our best of episode pretty soon. Uh, so that would be an interesting one coming up as well. Write us in, Only Movie Podcast. What are you excited to see? What do you want us to talk about? What movie have you seen? I saw Licorice Pizza, and I think that, I, like, the thing about Licorice Pizza is I think that would make a great full discussion. Uh, I'll tell you a movie real quick that I saw that we will not be reviewing, but I think you should watch. What's that? Uh, I Want You Back. Oh, yeah, the the, the Charlie Day uh, uh, comedy, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's real, real funny. It was a great Valentine's Day watch. Uh, it, you know, it's sweet and nonsensical, but it's really good, so check that out. Uh, I think that's on Prime? Uh, um, Amazon Prime, yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, until then, we'll talk at you in your dreams.
Yeah, if they're listening to get, us when they go to sleep i have so many people write in for the extra credit stuff that they listen to me while going to sleep which uh, is which is actually kind of sweet um, and, and creepy no i don't at first i was like weird and now i'm like nah that's not that's probably the, that's the nicest that you're this is means the content uh that is created is the last thing a person hears before they drift off into hopefully peaceful slumber if that's us for you <laughs> weird but also that's very kind i thought you were uh, play, doing a riff on uh, that song you know get out of my dreams get in the backseat baby get into my car yeah and we just got dmca talk to you next week bye